0: Good morning, everybody. I hope you guys got a set of notes. My name's Jeff, Pastor Jeff, and we're going to be in the book of Ephesians today. If you want to go to Ephesians 3, you'll have a head start. Happy Valentine's Day. You feel the love? Do you feel the love? It was 17 years ago today that I proposed to Brittany, and I asked her to marry me. So... Yeah, she said yes, but I wasn't sure she would say yes. Well, I kind of knew she'd say yes, but here's the thing. We never had said the words, I love you, until that day. You see, we had thrown that word around kind of haphazardly in some relationships that uh, preceded our relationship, and uh, we kind of both, without really talking about it, made this decision that we're just not going to use that word uh, until we were engaged. We never talked about it. But on uh, February 14th, one night, we drove around Portland, We went up to this hill, and there's this big mansion that overlooks downtown Portland. And I told her, I was like, Brittany, I want you to know I love you. Maybe we can cut all the band instruments behind me, maybe that's a factor, all right, it's just kind of how it goes. I learned something from the last time I preached. You'll notice I have a binder. <laughs> and it's like, they're all there, and they're going to stay in order unless, unless you know, I do something crazy. But uh, I thought we wouldn't have a problem with the wind today, but apparently that's still a factor. But um, yeah, so, uh, and I told her, I said, I love you. And she was thinking, oh, I guess I was wrong. He's going to say that before he proposes to me. But the next words out of my mouth were, will you marry me? And so, uh, you know, she said, I love you too. So Valentine's Day, of course, is uh, a day where we think of um, love and romance. And I just want you to know today that you are loved. Bigger than that, or more importantly, or uh, most profoundly, I guess, is that Jesus wants you to know that you are loved I'm wondering if there's anybody that can help Josh figure out how to make my voice not be so booming. Oh, there, there's Greg. All right, Greg, take the boom out of my voice. All right, so let's pray this morning, and then we're going to jump into our text and back into our series. Heavenly Father, we stand before you now. We're opening up your word, and we're asking your spirit to communicate things that only your spirit can reveal to our hearts, Lord. Lord, Your Word is sharper than a double-edged sword, and it can penetrate, it can divide, and it can expose, it can reveal, it can help us see things, Lord. And so we, we look to You, and we pray right now that You, Father, through Your Spirit and through Your Word, would open our hearts, Lord, to be able to hear and receive. In Your name we pray, amen. So, how is God going to... How is? <laughs> so how is God going to be known? How is God going to be known? It is all in the family. And today our message is called, You Are Loved. So before we get going, I want to remind us of the big picture theme of where we've been. We've been talking about the big picture of God's purpose to spread his glory through his image bearer's throughout the land. Last week we looked specifically at the local family and today we're looking a little bit broader than that at the church and God has brought together, redeemed and reconciled a church to be a display of his glory. And so we're going to see some words from Paul this morning. Now Paul uh, is writing to the church in Ephesus. Paul remember used to persecute the people, the believers in Ephesus. Did Paul love the church? Not when he was persecuting them. Because he persecuted the people that loved Jesus and followed his way. And here he briefly mentions his his shameful past uh, and subsequent calling to preach to the Gentiles. So Ephesians 3, verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I'm the least, I'm less than the least of all God's people. This grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to His eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God's display of Himself in the church is described as the manifold wisdom of God being made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. How is God His love? How is God's glory? How is God's wisdom on display? What exactly are these heavenly beings and these principalities in the air... Uh, the authorities in the heavenly realms, what is it that they're actually observing when they are observing this? Well, stay tuned. The answers are in our message this morning. So here we are. We're going to talk about love. So we're going to go here together, and this is Ephesians 3, verse 16, and we're going to read through this passage. But before we do, I was thinking about this. Why do we so quickly lose sight of His love? Why do I so quickly lose sight of His love? And I was thinking how sometimes my heart feels like a child who's running down to the ocean to grab water, to bring it back up to the shoreline, and the water's all splashing out, and kid doesn't realize there's a hole in the bucket and they go up to you know they're making a castle and by the time they get there and it just seems to keep i can't contain it i can't touch it and and i want to read these verses with you because i find it's also surprising that sometimes we, we even push away love have you ever had anybody push away your love you just wanted to love them you just wanted to No, 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 no. There's these these barriers that, that we put up. So we got holes in our bucket, or we push it away. But at the same time, there's this longing, there's this thirst to be filled with the love, to know that feeling. Have you ever seen somebody who knew they were loved? Imagine my wife, the moment, she's got a ring on her finger. The subsequent months of walking around, and she's like, what, what that feeling is to to know that you are engaged to be married, you know what I mean, and that you are, I mean, it's an exciting time. You can imagine, right? Or, or a kid that you blessed. Maybe you were out there and you bought a kid a candy, a treat, and they're like, ah, you know what I mean? It's like to, to that 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 feeling of that of that exchange of of love, someone who knows their love. But let's. We can't stay here too long, so let's read this. I pray out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high And deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You are loved. And I want to look at these a little bit more deeper. I want to dig into these and I want to go backwards. I want to I like doing things backwards for some reason. We're going to start at verse 19. It says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This love that surpasses knowledge, but to know something that goes beyond knowing. It's not just a matter of, yes, thank you God, I know that you love me. But Paul's praying that his church would begin to know something that's beyond just knowing about it. Right? Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Christ dwelling in our hearts. Christ dwelling in your heart. Rooted and established. And I want you to think of a tree. Imagine a tree with gigantic roots, deep roots going down, deep, strong roots into the love of Christ. Established in the love of Christ. But we're grasping this together with all the saints. That we would have power together with all God's holy people to do this going deep and being established in His love with all the saints. Not only are my roots going down, but your roots are going down and your roots are going down. And we're like a grove of deep-rooted people who are established in the love of God. Grasping just how high and how wide and deep His love is. He says, I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through your Spirit in your inner being. But So this is a Spirit-enabled grasping. It's not something that you could actually do on your own. Because Paul's praying that this church would have the Spirit's power The Spirit to be able to help them have the strength in their inner being so that Christ could reside there and so that they could experience this love and to know its depth and to go rooted in it and be established in it. And so that is, it's like it consumes them. It's depth and it's width and it's breadth. And I want to ask you, are you being filled with the boundless riches of Christ? And if so, how And if not, why not? Are you knowing Christ's love in a way that surpasses knowledge? And is Jesus' love for you, is it ever expanding? Or is it shrinking? Does it feel like it's shrinking? Can you feel the love? What truths do you need to renew your mind with in order to, to grow your capacity to be a receiver of the love of Jesus? Are there holes in your bucket? So this morning, we're actually going to talk about something that Paul um, mainly focuses on. Um, it's not in too many of the other writers in the, in the Bible. and It's this beautiful picture of adoption. You know, maybe there's nothing more that says you are loved than adoption. Adoption says you are loved. You are, you are welcome here. And you get all the rights of being in this family. And so we're going to dive into this. So if you'll join me, we're actually going to flip over in a few minutes to Galatians 3. You might want to get a head start. There's just a few places in, in the New Testament that talk about that, and they're in Paul's letters. Ephesians 1:5 says, says briefly, He predestined us to be adopted for us for adoption into sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and his will it was his pleasure it is his will we were predestined to be adopted into sonship in christ so we're going to spend some time like i said in galatians 3 so number one you are loved we're going to carry that right over from ephesians 3 you are loved adoption at its center though is you are being brought into a new family a new family So in Galatians 3, it says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself in Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male nor female. For you are all one in Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to its promise." And in verse 4 of chapter 4, it says, But when the law, or no, when the, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. Corey was talking about the womb, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that, why, that we might receive an adoption into sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you were His child, God has made you also an heir. So back to verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. And this is our emphasis this morning. Through faith. Now, Through faith, that is Paul's emphasis in this letter. That's the larger point that he's trying to make in the book of of Galatians, that you are of people who are Abraham's seed, and just as Abraham received righteousness through faith, those of you who have received Christ through faith, you are brought in to this family. Verse 27, there's a lot of analogies here, and I, of course, I'm intrigued, and so, but we can't spend a lot of time. It says, for, for this is the reason that he's giving, that all these are, are now children of God, right? Verse 26, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Well, why the clothing metaphor? What is this clothing metaphor? How do you clothe yourself with Christ? I'm curious. This takes us, actually, if you think about it, all the way back to Adam and Eve. When was it that they realized they needed clothes? Yes, I heard all that you just said. So, in Genesis 3-7, they realized that they were naked, and it says they made clothes for themselves, right? Right? Was that enough? They were clothed. They felt something inside. So they made clothes for themselves. But very soon after, they still hid, right? They still went and hid. Because when God was coming through the garden, they they had clothes on, but they still chose to hide themselves. Why? You say, shame. Shame. You put on clothes every day to cover up, but when you stand before God and you are held to an account before God, what are you going to use to cover up? Your fig leaves might not be enough. What will be said of your lusts, of your pride, of your manipulations, of your greed, Cover up if you can, but try as you may, you're still you. Let me ask again, who provides the clothes? Adam and Eve made clothes. But shortly after, in Genesis 21, God provides them clothes. It's a theme that's actually picked up in Revelation. We can't go there. Uh, I think it's in the church of Leah to see it. It talks about buy from me clothes um, that are of righteousness, the clothes. You know, so there's there's a lot to it. But God provides the clothes that truly provide the covering that we need. Clothing is brought into this conversation in Galatians three. The clothing that God provides in Jesus isn't merely an external covering up; it's the complete covering because He has redeemed the one who wears the clothes. Baptism into Christ and clothing yourself with Christ are connected. In this verse, baptism is an is a external behavior. It displays an internal reality, the same as with clothing yourself with Christ. In verse 28, Galatians says, There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor female or male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Jesus, when you wear Jesus, when who you are in Jesus is the most important identifier about you. Then when you stop and look around, you realize that all of those who have also been baptized into Jesus, into His church, into Christ, are, are also clothed in Christ. Suddenly you realize that indeed you are, you are one people. There's a unity that's shared, a togetherness and a community that's experienced because of our being clothed in Christ. That's the most important thing about you. Remember, these people, you know, it says no Jew, no Gentile, male, female. And we say, what? What's going on here? These people have never been the same anything. They're never part of, of, of the same. It was always an us and a them. I'm talking about their experience, what it was like to worship God for them. In their lifetimes, it was never we are one in this. It was always us versus them. Women. You get to go into one courtyard. Men, you're allowed into another courtyard. Jews, you're allowed on this side of the wall. Gentiles, you're allowed on this side of the wall. And Paul's pointing out that there's not in Christ, there's not those who have, who have been strong enough to obey enough things, enough commands to obey the law in themselves, and, and they've made it in through the law, and, and also those who, who couldn't hack it, and they just believe in Jesus, and they're in. Heaven also saying no there's only one way into the family it's through faith faith in Christ and his work for you on the cross is the grace that saves you and once you are in Christ Jesus you become one one family this doesn't mean that you're not a Jew anymore or you're not a Gentile or that you're not a woman or that you're not a man It doesn't mean that you lose your biology or your ethnicity. It doesn't mean that we all have the same roles and functions in the family. The point being made is this bigger than all these things that we we separate ourselves over is that we've received a oneness into the family, into a family. Those who are in Christ Jesus are all children of God, part of one family, one magnificent and diverse family who choose to wear Jesus and clothe themselves with Jesus Not that we're all wearing the same clothes. It means that our hearts and the identity that we hold most dear is that we are children of God. That's what matters. I want to read Ephesians 2, 11 and 19. I'm going to speed read it just so we can get through it quick. But it's awesome. Ephesians 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember that you... Who formerly were Gentiles by birth, and you were even called uncircumcised by those who were part of the circumcision. Remember that at the time, at that time, you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in, uh, in Israel, and you were foreigners to the covenants, and you were without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away And he came and he preached to you who are far away and peace to you who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. So, we're going to move on. Point number two In adoption, not only have we been brought into a new family, but we've also been given a new father. Adoption tells us you are loved and you are welcome here. And I want to connect those two thoughts together. You're welcome here and we have a new father. And I just want to ponder this a little bit in Galatians 4, 4 through 6. It says, but when the time had been has fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive, adoption into sonship, because you are His sons, and God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. And I want you to think of the open arms of the Father. We actually sang, running to your arms, running to your arms, think of maybe the, the story of the prodigal and the Father, running to his, his Son with open arms. But this Abba, Father, this speaks of access. There's this new name that you have been given for which you can communicate with God. Abba, Father. Now, if that Spirit is in you, if His Spirit is in you, He cries out within you, Abba, Father. And with it, there's access. And with it, there's intimacy. And there's closeness to a Father, to a God that can see you to a God that can hear you, to a God that nurtures, a God who teaches, a God who is patient with you. You are welcome here. Well, not only that, adoption teaches us that you are loved, and it says you are welcome here. Adoption to his family gives us let me just read what I wrote. Adoption into his family with a father like ours brings with it some amazing blessings. Adoption says you are loved, you are welcome here, and you get the, all the rights of being in his family. You have a new future. You have a new future. It talks about if you are, in verse 7, if you are... You are no longer slave, but God's child. And if you're a child, since you're his child, God has made you also an heir. And so we have two things. We have a future inheritance. We have heaven. We have the promises. We've been been invited into seeing Jesus face to face, a redeemed body, the rewards of a life lived by faith down here. And we have a future glory. And I want to read Romans 8, partly because it's one of the other passages that talk about adoption. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. There it is again in Romans The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And this is where it gets interesting, and I I make a distinction here between this and the other passage, is that there's a future glory that we can anticipate. Now, if we are God's children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. Let's just jump to verse 20. The creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into, this is the part that I wanted to highlight, into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Wow. The freedom and the glory of the children of God. That's our future. That theme of God's glory on display keeps coming back. Okay, so what does this mean for all of us? What does this mean for all of us? It means that when the world looks at the church, it ought to see a family of people in fellowship with one another because they have been brought into fellowship with God through a common family member, the Lord Jesus. And just as the marriage union we looked at last week is a way to demonstrate that fellowship, the other relationships... In the family, prove it too. So we've seen the life-changing power of adoption into a new family, the new relationship that we have with God the Father and Jesus through the Holy Spirit, and may the, the, the desires that we would be fully convinced of His love, that we would feel it, that we would be able to experience, to know it in a way that surpasses just knowledge. But what do we do with this awesome realization? We need to be receivers of His love. We need to be responders to His love. And we need to display His love. His love overflows. We need to reflect that love in the way that we treat each other. It's it's important. We overflow this love in our church family. We're called to live a life that is worthy of this calling. The way the church lives is crucial. Paul follows this logic in Ephesians. After all this awesome description of what he's done, bringing the, the two into one, and this uh, he this manifold wisdom of God being on display, and then in Ephesians 3:20 he says, "To God be glory in the church forever and ever." That verse that says, "You know, he can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us." Him be glory in the church forever and ever and ever. Right after that, you know what Paul says? After that is chapter 4, verse 1. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So, Live a life worthy of the calling. What's the calling? Calling to be the church and to be this one new family adopted for His purposes. There's some attitudes and behaviors that help preserve our oneness. We preserve our oneness by choosing love instead of division. Secondly, we walk in the way of love by following God's example. Later in chapter 5, he said, follow God's example. Therefore, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, verse 3, There must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. There are plenty of ways for us to walk in love. Christ gave himself up for us. Now this is the marker. He gave himself up for us. Are you giving yourself up for anyone in the family? Who is it? Who is it you're giving yourself up for? We all love someone. You know, I included verse 3 there on purpose because we tend to struggle with this idea. If we all just love like Jesus, then everything goes. Why would we want someone to obey something or conform to some sort of laws or expectations or rules? And I think it's important because it's popular in our culture to self-love. You ever heard that? Love yourself. Be true to yourself. Seek my pleasure. It says in the end times, there's going to be those who love themselves. There will be lovers of themselves. But putting on love and walking in love isn't the freedom to serve myself. Even though God, out of His abundant love, has made a way for forgiveness and redemption, He's warned us to put an end to a variety of negative and ungodly behaviors from our flesh and to not let them be taking up residence in our hearts or to be identified among our family. That's because we're His family for His purposes. It's almost like the takeaway this morning should be you are loved. You are welcome here. You're the full rights of being part of this family. So act like you're part of this family. Because God's plan is to be glorified, and His redeemed and reconciled church receives and responds to and displays the love of God. Whose love are you reflecting and whose glory are you putting on display? Church, you are loved. And I hope, together with all the saints, that I could know this love that surpasses knowledge. This love that's received in our inner being that fills us up with joy and hope unto all the fullness of Jesus. So to help us picture this immensity of love, remember that you have been adopted. You have been adopted. Redeemed Reconciled and brought into His glorious family with a glorious Father and a glorious future. You are loved. Amen and go home. Okay, let's pray. And We're going to have, I think, a little bit more time together of worship. We'll have the worship team come up. Heavenly Father, we just we just humbly come before you with open hands and arms and hearts and minds and we just stop to ask God, help us to be better receivers of your love. I pray that you would heal our hearts in ways that that we have wounds that we don't seem to be able to approach you. I pray that you would cover our shame and our feelings so that we could stand up under your grace Lord so that we can be covered with the immensity of of your love toward us and that we would feel it that's our heart that's my prayer that's our prayer this morning in your name we pray amen